16 through 18. Well, as I got to looking at our schedule uh, and, and we were looking at topics and when we were going to be preaching and what topics and things like, things like that come up, um, you don't always think about exactly the timing of when a particular topic uh, or a particular scripture comes up. And I think that's part of the beauty of us doing expository preaching where we preach through a section, not jumping over things. And um, <clears throat> I do find it very ironic with the timing of our discussion on fasting. We are dead center in the two biggest eating holidays that we have here in the United States. So we're two weeks past Thanksgiving, just a couple weeks before Christmas, and I know that uh, we all have our, you know, you know, have our uh, favorite desserts and things that we eat as we go through the holiday season. Uh, so it seems a bit ironic to me that we're, we're doing, you know, a discussion on fasting uh, directly in between those holidays. Um, perhaps uh, we, we can just chalk that up to, as I believe, the sovereignty of God. God worked this out, and I trust that uh, he has much for us to learn about fasting. Uh, as, as, as I, and being transparent with you and honest with you, fasting is not something that I think we, or, or personally I, uh, have engaged in, in a lot of times in the past. Uh, I have fasted in the past, uh, uh, but I, it's not something that I do on a regular basis. And I don't know if you guys uh, are like me in that uh, maybe you're fasting on a regular basis and you're doing what Scripture says here and you're doing it in secret and we don't know about it. Uh, and if you are, uh, God, God bless you for that. But I think a lot of times we kind of look at the verses that talk about prayer and fasting and we focus on prayer. Um, and I think it's good for us to take the time to focus in and have this discussion about fasting. Um, as we look at that, though, I, I want us to make sure that we understand that fasting is not merely... Uh, a Christian-specific thing. So there are uh, other religions, other groups around the world that, that fast. Uh, fasting is part of, for one example, uh, Hindu faith. In India today, there is uh, a man who is fasting. Uh, he's been fasting for 40 days, and his goal or his hope in fasting is that the government will be forced to do something to clean up the Ganges River. Now, there is a group of seers, as they call them in the Hindu faith, that have been doing this, and some of them have actually fasted to the point of death over the Ganges River being cleaned up. And they have some other things that, that, that they have put forth that are uh, kind of issues for them that they want uh, the government to act on. But uh, as recent as October, the gentleman who died had been fasting for 111 days. Uh, now, his fast, uh, as we'll discuss a little bit about the fast, his fast is a water, salt, and honey fast, meaning that he only consumes water, salt, and honey. And he did that for 111 days until his body got to the point where it shut down and he died. Now, think about this in relation to the Christian faith. This man died over cleanliness of a river. What could this gentleman have done if he was fasting and working for God? He was working for the furthering of Christ's church here on earth. Um, that's something that, I, you know, as I read, read those things, those things are inspiring, but it almost feels hollow considering that he was working for a God that is a lowercase g, no God at all, and he's working for really what amounts to a, a civic issue. Um, there's also, in addition to these groups that fast, because of religious reasons. There's also been a big movement for fasting 
in health-related uh, circumstances. So intermittent fasting has become very popular. Uh, if you're doing a keto diet, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the keto diets advertised, but part of keto dieting that you take it to the next level is intermittent fasting. And they've got different programs where you can fast for 12 hours out of the day and then you try to eat everything that you're going to eat for the day. All your calories are in those eight hours. And so you feast during that time and then you fast the rest of the time. Um, Though the proponents claim that when you pair those things up, that it increases your energy, and it, it's, it's like a fountain of youth, like every uh, workout fad thing is. But I, I think it's important for us to understand that it's not, fasting is not just a, a Christian thing. Um, the same way that we may, and I'll, I'll touch on this a little later, when we talk about meditation sometimes, the world meditates, right? The, the world will empty themselves and say their ohms and focus on who knows what. Uh, that's not Christian meditation, and we're going to draw some distinctions and, and tie those two together as we move along tonight. But as for Christians, I think it's important for us to understand and recognize those. And as we begin to talk about fasting tonight, I don't want us to, talk, I don't want us to just say fasting. I don't want us to, to say, oh, I'm, I, you know, if, when we're talking about fasting, talk about fasting. No, we're doing Christian fasting. It's new fasting, and it's new because Christ made all things new. And so when we fast now, we're not fasting with the same sense that the world is fasting. We're not even fasting with the same sense that the Jews were fasting. We're fasting with the expectation that Christ will move and will work because he has said he would do so. So let's get to our, our text this evening, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Last week, as I sat and I was listening to, uh, to Jake preach uh, through the Lord's Prayer, um, I had noticed this already, but it just drove a point home to me. There is a presupposition, something that is there for us to know that it's already assumed uh, as we read these uh, how-tos, if you will, from Jesus. So he gives us when you give to the needy. If you look back at the beginning of, of chapter 6 and you're looking at uh, how to give, it says when you give to the needy. If you look at when he talks about how to pray, he says when you pray. And if you look at when it talks about fasting, it says when you fast. He presupposes or expects that believers are going to give to the needy, they're going to pray, and they're going to fast. So this is something that he expects from us as, as believers that these are things that we're going to engage in. Now, I don't, uh, if you're going to read through Scripture and try to find an exact Scripture that says, Jesus said, you must fast in order to be a follower of mine, you're not going to find that. But when he talks about these things here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's almost assumed that Christians are going to do these things. We're going to give to the needy. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. I want to offer a, a definition as we think about this Christian fasting and, and understanding how does a Christian fast and how do we fast biblically. Uh, Christian fasting uh, can be defined as a temporary setting aside of some good gift that God has given us in order that we may focus more intently on God himself. I think when we look at that definition, we can recognize that food is good. 
My mom makes sweet potato casserole that should be in a pie. That stuff is so good. It's got like two sticks of butter and like four cups of sugar. It is awesome, okay? Every time we, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I see that stuff, I, don't even, I skip the dessert table. I just take a big old scoop of that on my dessert plate, okay? Uh, if you have a chance to eat it sometime, you need to get some. Uh, but food is good, right? God has given us so many good things, and I don't want to call those things not good. Scripture actually warns us about that. Paul warns us about eating of food to not call things good that God has given us and he has said are good. So I, I don't want us to, to enter into that, but I want us to recognize that as we think about giving up something that God has given us, it's a gift, right? So we're giving up the gift in order to focus on the giver. And that's what fasting is all about. It's about putting aside something most cases, we're talking about food when we think about fasting. Uh, Paul introduces the idea of a married couple putting aside relations, sexual relations, to focus and pray about a particular issue so that their relationship might be restored or that uh, a particular need that they have at that time can be cared for by God. So I would say fasting doesn't necessarily just have to be food. It could be good things that God has given us. So John Piper helps us in this um, and he says that uh, for Christian fasting, it comes from confidence in Christ and is sustained by the power of Christ. And its aim is the glory of Christ. Notice, we keep going back to Christ as he, as he goes through that discussion. Over every Christian fast, the words from Philippians 3, 8 should be written, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. It's also important as we talk about fasting for me to set the table a little bit further and let you know that there are different types of fasts described in the Bible. There are personal fasts. There are small group fasts that you might see within the church. There are national fasts, which actually were called in Esther. The people fasted. There's, there's different types of Food that is set aside, if you look at the example in Daniel, Daniel had vegetables and water. Uh, other fasts might be a water-only fast, such as Jesus observed in his 40-day fast when he was in the desert. Uh, then there's a dry fast, which involves no water or food. Those are obviously limited because God has designed this body to need water. And this body will expire if it does not have an adequate source of water in about three or four days. So a dry fast would be a short-term nothing taken in, okay? And you'll find examples of those in, in Scripture. So there are um, the, the, the main things that I want us to, to, to focus on tonight. First, first, first point I'm going to give you as we, as we look back at our, our, our focal, focal Scripture is that Christian fasting, number one, focuses our attention on God. As we've, we've already discussed, the, the ideal is for us not to be focused on attention from other people. Uh, it, our, our, our focus is not to be on our wants, our needs, our desires only. Our focus is to be on God and what God wants. Our focus is to be on his word and reading his word. His focus is to be on prayer and spending time worshiping him. Secondly, I want us to see, uh, as we read this, reading the scripture, it says, uh, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
Secondly, Christian fasting avoids hypocrisy. So evidently some uh, in this time, Pharisees had adopted a practice of fasting, at least in appearance only. They maybe were fasting, but they made sure everybody knew they were fasting, right? Uh, Have you ever had a friend or a relative or somebody who went on a diet and then it was, they talked about the diet and, you know, everything was about this new diet. They couldn't eat, you know, processed meat or they couldn't eat this or couldn't eat that. They, They were very vocal and open about it. These Pharisees are very much the same way in their fasting, uh, in the fact that they would put ashes on, they would, you know, look disheveled, they would look down, and it says gloomy, which it reminds me of Eeyore, so maybe they're moping around, oh, just fasting again, you know, that sort of thing, all right? They're wanting everybody to look at them, because their fasting is not about God, their fasting is about themselves. It's about receiving the reward of, oh, you're so holy, let me pat you on the back and tell you how, to, how good a a God worshiper, a God follower you are because you're fasting. Oh, it must be so difficult. I can't imagine. You're so, such a holy guy. And that is driven from pride. Pride and arrogance in the heart of the Pharisee seeking to steal the glory that belongs to God. Their motivation is wrong. Selfish desire. And we don't want to fall into that trap. So just as when we fast... We want to focus on God. We want to be focused on him, not focused on what we're missing out on food-wise, but we're focusing on him. And we also want to avoid the hypocrisy of seeking approval or a pat on the back from someone else as we fast. So if you're engaging in a fast, just like it says the Pharisees, you're, you're not to look gloomy and you're not to disfigure your face and, and do so that you would be seen by others. As, as it says, they have received their reward. Uh, in our uh, call to worship scripture from, from Luke 18, 9 through 14, I'm going I'm to read that again. Uh, Jesus tells a parable that I think tells this story for us very well. In verse 9 of, of Luke 18 uh, says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, on the other hand, was standing far off, and he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I want to ask you, what do you think about this pompous prayer of the Pharisee? He's boasting about his tithing, he's boasting about his fasting, and if he is standing and he's praying, who is he even praying to? Is it really even a prayer? Or is it more of just a a brag about how awesome he is as a follower of God? Would we even consider it a prayer? Who is his audience? Is he praying to God? Or is he just seeking the praise of men? I believe it's clear that his praying and his tithing and his fasting all seem to be in vain 
because he's doing them in order to seek favor potentially from God because look at all the check marks he's checking off, the things that he's doing. And he's also doing it to garner favor with those around him. And the sad thing is he feels like he's justified. He's so deceived himself that he feels like he is a better man than the poor tax collector who is beating his chest, calling out to God to forgive him because of his sin. Jesus makes it clear to us that that pat on the back that he's seeking, that admiration that he's seeking from others is the only reward that he is going to receive. Thirdly, Christian fasting will test our hearts and motives. So we need to understand that that God already knows our heart. He sees our our, our heart, he he knows our motives, and and he, he knows whether or not we're fasting out of a deep longing to know him more. He knows whether or not we're fasting out of a deep brokenness over something that's going on and we're seeking earnestly for him to speak and for him to work in our lives. He knows whether or not we're acting out of not our own strength, but out of strength that we receive from him. Fasting, therefore, tests our hearts and motives. Because we cannot enter into fasting, a time when we're testing ourselves without continually relying on a renewing and a refreshing power from God. There's many temptations in my house. We have a snack drawer. We have a a little mini freezer downstairs that contains like ice cream and goodies and stuff like that. Um, There's always food, right? It seems like there's always food. And Chick-fil-A is never more than it seems in like the next exit away, right? And if I'm relying on my own strength and 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 I'm doing a fast for my own motives, I am not going to be able to uh, continue with that. Now, you might say, well, what about the Hindu guys? They, they're, doing, they're doing their fast. The guy fasted for 111 days. Yes, yes, but again, that's a personal internal motive, right? That's not him receiving power from God. He's doing that because he thinks he's garnering some sort of favor with his gods. I'm just telling you, me personally, If I'm doing fasting to impress myself or to impress you, I'm going to fail. Even if I succeed in making through the time period and abstaining from food or whatever it is for the time period that I had set in my mind and I made my goal, I've already failed because I've taken the glory away from God. I've disconnected myself from the power of God and there's no value in that fasting. In fasting, if we're doing it with a true heart out of a a true desire to know God deeper and a true desire to see God work, we're going to stay connected to him through the word. We're going to stay connected to him through prayer. We're going to seek him more. And as we do that, he will refresh us and he will help us and, and the Holy Spirit will encourage us as we go through that time period. And that time period is not wasted The huge difference there is like the huge difference when I talked in the beginning about meditation from the world and meditation on God's word or fasting from the world and fasting fasting as, as a Christian. Meditation from the world says empty yourself. Meditation with God's word says come and fill yourself with my word. 
Fasting what the world says. Nope, don't eat anything and do this so that you can prove that you have control over your body or you're, you're doing this to force someone to do something. Fasting with God or, is actually feasting on his word. It's feasting on his presence and, and worshiping of him and, and, and spending time with him and, and relying on him for everything, for your strength. That's the huge difference. That's why Christian fasting cannot ever be confused with worldly fasting. Because while we're fasting, we're actually feasting. We're seeking to fill our lives and fill our hearts with God. Fill, fill our, our minds and our hearts and our lives with his word. With his presence. To draw closer to him. To know more of him. That's the goal of, of Christian fasting. And that's why it's so different. And that's why our heart and our motives have to be right. Because that is not going to happen if you're doing it with the wrong motives. Because God already knows. Fourthly, Christian fasting is rewarding. If we look back at the, at the scripture after we get to the part when um, uh, Jesus is, is talking in verse 17, he tells us, you know, when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face, uh, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, as we think about rewarding, I know many of us might think about, okay, so I'd like to have a little extra money for Christmas, so I'm going to fast this week, and I'm going to prayer walk my mailbox, and a check's going to show up, right? That's not exactly what we're talking about with the reward here. I think sometimes we get too focused on dollars and cents. Uh, John Piper, again, provides some great help here uh, in, in talking about fasting he says, when we look for the rewards, we need to look at them through God's lens. And we do that by backing up a little bit in our scripture uh, and, and look at what's prayed in verses uh, 6 through, or actually 9 through 13, excuse me, chapter 6, 9 through 13. It says, therefore, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here we see that first, God's name would be hallowed or revered. Secondly, that his kingdom would come. And third, that his will would be done on earth the same way that it is in heaven. So as we're looking about things that we might fast for, or are we looking about rewards that God might give us, we, we ought to look at them in light of what God's overarching goal is. And the main reward that God will give us for fasting is that his name would be hallowed and revered in our life, that his kingdom would come and be manifest here on earth as it is in heaven. If you're concerned about a family member's salvation, you're concerned about their, uh, their repentance. Maybe at some point in time when they were younger, they, they were attending a church and they were professing Christ, but now they seem lost and they're wondering. If you're broken over them and broken enough over them to fast and to call upon God to, to save them, I think as we look back at, at, at the, the things that, that we, we just saw from, from John Piper's suggestion here that God's name would be revered or hallowed because of that person being saved. And he does not desire that any should perish. So fasting over something like that would 
be in line with what Scripture has, has told us that God wants. And as we think about our fasting, our fasting for things should be wanting God's will and his way in our life. Wanting him to have his will in the world. Wanting him to have his will and his way in our church. And our reward will be seeing God work. Our reward is having a closer relationship with God. Our reward is being filled with his word and being filled with his presence and renewed in our faith. So in closing tonight, I'd like us to turn to one last passage as we, as we kind of close the ideas here on fasting. And, and honestly, we could spend... Uh, a great deal of time talking about fasting, the different types of fasts and all that, and it was a struggle for me as I was trying to make sure that I gave you enough of an overview on it not to spend all of my time just talking about Hindus fasting. Um, but uh, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. And I have a bit of a challenge for our church that, that I hope that, that you're, you would be willing to, to accept. So when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. As many of you know, our church is... Uh, has been, we've had several sermons now about elders, about calling of elders to serve alongside Brother Josh here in this place. And as we see, elders were being appointed in the early churches. And, and, and as we look at that, we find that the, the elders in, in the church were prayed for and there was fasting as they were committed to the Lord. And my challenge for you is, is this. I, I would like for you to individually consider Fasting, requesting the Lord's will and the Lord's leadership as our church prays through and walks through calling elders to lead us here. Now, don't be worried if someone finds out you're fasting. Obviously, that's, that doesn't mean that the fast is, is of, of no value. As we've already said, there are times when the church has fasted together and a fast has been called. There are times when corporately has been fasted, but individually, if you feel so moved, I would challenge you to think about what can you give up, whether it be food, whether it be television time, whether it be internet, whether it be your smart device that devote, we devote so much of our time to sometimes. What can you fast in order to spend more time in God's word, in order to spend more time in prayer, to seek God's leadership, to seek his will and his way in this place? to seek God's leadership and guidance as we call elders to lead his church. I hope that you would prayerfully consider that and I hope that, that you understand that uh, I'm, I'm asking that, that, that you do that out of a, out of a sense, uh, not just that, that I want you to have something to do as a homework assignment, obviously, as we, as we leave this evening, but I, I sincerely am, am asking because I know that there is value 
in fasting. I know that there's, there's value in seeking the Lord's leadership and guidance. And calling elders is, is, a big, is a big responsibility for a church body. It's a big responsibility for a church. And I think we want to make sure that we're in the center of the Lord's will as we move forward. That's why we're spending so much time talking about it. That's why we're spending so much time answering questions. And I think it would be good for us to do this. So, Christian fasting, again, it's not, it's not something to be entered into lightly. It's not something that we want to do to draw attention from other people. We want our focus to be on God. We want to avoid uh, hypocrisy as we, as we fast and as we pray. We want to understand that our hearts will be tested, and ultimately we know that we will be rewarded for devoting our time and our efforts to the Lord. You pray with me. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us here to your house, Lord. We thank you for all that you have provided for us, all that you have given us, and we thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity to study your word together. Lord, I pray as we study fasting here this evening, I, I pray that you would help us as we consider, Lord, how we can fast and how to do that in our own lives, Lord, so that we can honor you, so that we can glorify you, and ultimately so that we can be closer to you and know more of you. We pray, Lord, for your leadership and your guidance in our personal lives. We pray for your leadership and guidance in this church. And we pray, Lord, that as, as we seek to serve you and to serve this community, that we do so always looking to you for leadership and guidance. We ask all this in Christ's name.